This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, The Ascent Leader and Food for the Hungry. We bring you this podcast to help you get better at the craft of preaching, but always hoping, longing, desiring, and believing that your character in Christ can lead the way. Today, I'm excited because I get to interview a friend of mine, Nick Hall. Nick Hall leads the Pulse Movement. He has this huge desire to train and to equip pastors, the next generation, preachers, leaders, to actually share their faith, to not just be about serving, but to actually talk about the good news. You're going to get to hear him. And I, I think I've just been feeling this deeply over the last number of months. Uh, my buddy, Josh Turner, he spoke at Four City Church in Rockford a few months ago. And, and I remember hearing reports that at the end of the talk, he did an invitation, did a call, did, gave people a chance to absolutely step into faith for the very first time. And almost a hundred people came forward, a hundred people. And I remember thinking, I didn't expect that to happen. I remember thinking a hundred people, the numbers have to be off. I found myself thinking there was a hundred people who have been sitting in this church who didn't know what faith was. And, and, and I just found myself going, gosh, how many times have I made an assumption but didn't give people a chance to make a decision? So being around guys like Nick Hall who just live this out, they know how to talk about it. They know how to be about it. They know how to train others. I just wanted to introduce you all to Nick. He's got an amazing event that's coming up on June 24th and 25th in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. You're going to hear about it. It's called Together 22. You're going to learn more at pulse.org. But, but Nick is a great preacher. He's a writer. He trains people. He's just a salt of the earth who really is living this integrated faith out. So like we often do, we try and give you a little sense of their sound. This is a message he gave last year uh, called Leaving the 99. Hear this, and then we'll dive into a deep conversation with the one, the only, Nick Hall. Do we know Jesus or not? Have we been forgiven or not? Sometimes I think God looks at us and says, hey, how do you want me to treat him? How would you want me to treat you? Like somehow we want to pass from God, but we want him to really get those people. I mean, we're thinking crazy. Jesus tells us these parables to remind us the radical love of God 
seeking and saving and pursuing and loving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Jesus, how many times should we forgive? You mean like seven times? Man, this story's as old as the Bible. Religious, judgmental people and one guy who welcomes everybody and they kill him for it. Jesus says, this is the heart of the Father. He says, I want you to hear this. Verse two, he says, the Pharisees and teachers are there muttering. This man welcomes sinners, eats with them, has fellowship with them. This guy's hanging out with messed up people. So Jesus tells this parable, and he's got two audiences here. One audience is for those that know that they need Jesus. They're the sinners. They need help. That's why they've come. The other audience, religious, judgmental people, standing in a seat of judgment. Jesus says, I want to tell you about the heart of, of my daddy. Nick Hall, welcome to the Craft and Character podcast. We just heard a clip of a teach that you delivered uh, last year about leaving the 99. I thought maybe we could just begin with you giving a little background on that teach. Yeah, man. Well, it's one of my favorite uh, passages in the teachings of Jesus. I love, you know, the three parables kind of driving home the same thought. And uh, I guess the heart of the message is just inviting believers to join Jesus, you know, because he's always inviting us to leave comfort, to leave safety, to leave what's normal, and to leave the 99, to go after the one. And he's our example. And I think the part that I love to land in in that message is that the goal here isn't to shame us and guilt us because, man, we all feel like we don't do enough. But the goal here is to follow the good shepherd because that's where he is. He's with the last, the least, and the lost. That's so beautiful, man. I, you know, we were together a few weeks back and every time I'm around you or around somebody who has just recently been around you, they constantly just come back with these stories, these stories about how, in my, in my language, uh, you live this wildly invitational life. Uh, we were in Colorado together and, and you were talking about the barista at the coffee sh uh, shop at the hotel. You, 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 were, you were telling these stories. And I'm curious if you could maybe go back and help just those of us who are just getting familiar to who Nick Hall is. And we'll talk about the Pulse movement in a, in a moment. But like, has this always just been you? Or is this something that you've had to learn to grow into? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a great question, Steve. I, I do think there is a, a calling piece there of, you know, biblically, I would say I am an evangelist through and through. Like nobody, nobody had to teach me or encourage me uh, to share Jesus. Like I just, I was born and kind of the second the lights came on in my faith, I felt an urgency to do this. Um, you know, I, I felt like, man, it's hard for me to read the gospels and read about Jesus and understand the reality of heaven and hell and think that I can't talk about this because I am, I love to talk about stuff that I love, you know, <laughs> like whether that's, whether that's good coffee or a mean point guard, like I just love 
to chop it up on, on things that matter. And so for me, it's like for me to talk about those things and not talk about Jesus would just be being inconsistent as a human being. Now, I will say the part I've had to learn is trying to learn. And this is a constant learning. It's how do I build in like margin and the priority for the kingdom of God and for these divine encounters into my daily life? Not in a freaky, weird, goofy, like I'm not out like prophesying over people and, you know, commanding people to get out of wheelchairs and and nothing wrong with people who are doing that. But it's just like, like, I'm just trying to live this out in a normal, genuine way where every day I would say the prayer that really marks my day is that God would send me people every day that need Jesus. And and that becomes really like a, a governor for my life. It's, it's interesting because you used a word and then you just dropped this beautiful prayer. The word was urgency. And I, I don't know about you, but I do feel like the local church is lacking an urgency to reach people. And maybe, maybe, and maybe that sounds too pessimistic. I, I don't mean it to be, but when I, when I hear stories of people who pray, God, please send me person somewhere throughout my day that needs your son. Um, it, 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 it like gives you a perspective in a, in a range of, of just how you view humanity that's walking before you. There's a level of urgency. Talk about your relationship with urgency. Cause I think, I think there's, that's one of the keys. Every time I'm with you, I feel there is this longing to talk about Christ, but there is this holy, sacred urgency that you bring into your everyday. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people are really distracted. I mean, you, you mentioned this, that the local church maybe lacks urgency. And, and I just would, I would just say, man, we're really distracted. We're really distracted by many things. And, and I think of it as the Mary and, and the Martha, right? It's the you know, Martha, you are busy with many things, but Mary has chosen what is better. And, uh, and I just think it's, it's what are we urgent about? And, and I think so many of us, we are urgent about things that don't matter. We're distracted about things that don't matter. And, and I'm not saying it like literally they just don't matter. No, they, they do matter. It's stuff like where our kids are going to school and where we're going to eat dinner tonight and, you know, and what's going on in politics or in pop culture. But in the scheme of eternity, there's things that just don't matter that have somehow rearranged and hijacked my priorities and and hijacked my attention. And so for me, like, I do feel like this reality of life and death, this reality of heaven and hell, this reality of like, I'm going to stand before God and he put certain things into my hand and I'm going to have to give an account for those things. Um, I, I would say that the more that those things are in front of my life and, and I'm not immune to this, like I can go days and weeks without having a conversation with anybody about Jesus. But the thing that I've realized over the 40 years I've been on this earth is that the difference between the days I do and the days I don't is whether I'm looking for it and whether I'm available and, and when I'm looking for it and when I'm available and when I have those encounters with everyday people who are just hurting. And again, it's not always salvation. It's not always miracles. It's like sometimes I don't, I don't even know why I said what I said. 
but I'm trying to be available. And I would just say it is literally the greatest thing in my life to get to see and be a part of. And even with my family, like getting to bring my kids into that, getting to bring my marriage into that, getting to bring my ministry into that, like just inviting people into the everyday supernatural opportunities that are around us to be the hands and feet of Jesus who need it, who need, they don't need a sermon and they don't need a great exposition of a text. Like they just need a human being who's going to look them in the eyes and tell them they matter and tell them that God sees you and he loves you. And that may be all they need to hear. Again, this, this is so beautiful to me because you're talking about urgency you're talking about this holy integration and even the way that you talk about bringing your kids and your family and your ministry, like this is just, this is how you live your life. One of, one of the other pieces, you know, and I think you're right with the distraction. There are so many, um, just, I think everyday distractions that hold people back. I remember a Dallas Willard came and he, he spoke at uh, my alma mater and my buddy JJ was interviewing him after his chapel uh, speech and and presentation and message and 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 JJ asked him, hey, you've been a uh, professor at USC for thirty plus years, and what's different about the freshmen that entered your class this year than the ones that entered thirty plus years ago? And without missing a beat, Dallas says, oh, it's easy. The ones that are entering today are just way more distracted, and they're missing how the kingdom of God wants to unfold right before their very own eyes. They're missing it. Mm. And I just, mm. I, I think you, you just uh, are, are proclaiming that with such power. I'm curious because I think one of the, and this isn't true of every church. So there's a lot of churches that end a message with a, you know, gospel presentation and evangelism opportunity. Um, but I'm also finding a lot more churches are not doing that. And you having this gift of evangelism, I feel like every time I've listened to a message of yours, um, you are inviting people into a relationship uh, with Christ. Um, I'd love to know your your thoughts on that because again, this is a preaching podcast and there's there's many who do this, who listen, and there's many who probably maybe do it a couple times a year. But I, I think we all can get better at really helping people make a first time decision or come yeah. back to uh, a relationship with Christ. Uh, talk to me about your strategy with that. How you go about that um, when you're leading people into a, a decision moment. Yeah. Well, whenever I'm preaching and especially when I'm preaching in a church, I realize that I'm speaking to many different audiences, right? There might be a small percentage of people there that don't know Jesus at all. There's probably a large percentage of people there that, that know Jesus and their faith has kind of gone stale. And there's probably a, a smaller percentage of people who are like really on fire. They're killing it. They're doing it, right? And, and maybe there's other audiences as well. But I'm always keeping in mind that there's these different audiences that I'm speaking to. And so generally speaking to believers, like I'm always inviting them to take a step closer to this urgency and to this mission of Jesus. Like it's, it's kind of, for me, like the gospel is invitational, right? It is, Jesus is always inviting people to follow him. He's always inviting them to make a change. He's always inviting them to move. Like there is no teaching that I can see of Jesus that enables people just to sit there 
It's always like inviting them to some sort of an action point. And so for me, it's like, I want people to have a chance to get right with God, to come back to their first love, or maybe they've never put their trust in Jesus before. But that's where like, I would differ with some people thinking the invitation is just for salvation. Like, I just think every day I need to be challenged to say, Nick, is there stuff in your life that you have made an idol of, that you have drifted off, you know, your first love, that you have lost this? And today for you, Nick, is the day of salvation. Today for you, Nick, is the day to stop living in the, the bondage of guilt and shame and you know, religious duty and come back to this good shepherd, you know, that welcomes you to join him and, and he will lead you by, beside still waters and he will, you know, restore your soul. But you know what? He's also going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death because the light is needed there too. Right. And so it's like, I'm, I'm always in my mind, I'm trying to think of getting people to have this be a, a turning point. And, and the more that I'm doing that as a preacher, the more I'm setting a culture for people to realize that your relationships in the everyday should be invitational. And also that, oh, by the way, when you think about church, you shouldn't think about it just for yourself. You should be thinking about who in my life needs this encounter. I want you to look at the empty seats next to you, right? I want you to imagine your neighbors. I want you to think about that brother and sister that you haven't prayed for in a while. Let's make this a moment to recommit to joining Jesus in the harvest field. To me, it's all invitational. Yeah. I I love that. I love that thinking through what's the best next right step for someone to take. And the, you know, if you've got a small percentage uh, of people who maybe don't have a relationship and you've got a large percentage, we all have steps we need to take in our dependency and in our urgency to live that invitational life, which I love that language. Um, you know, oftentimes when I'm framing a talk, oftentimes I'll think through, okay, there are people here who I know are cynical. They're cynical to what I just talked about. So um, I talked about hope recently. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know that there are some cynics to hope. And then I also know that there are some people who are profoundly curious. They wouldn't be here if they weren't curious. And then there are people here that are already convinced and, and how do I make it plain? How do I, how do I help the person who's a cynic take that next best right step? The person who's curious and the person who's convinced take that next best right step. Do you have like a, a framework that you run this through that is, yeah, I know, again, you've been doing this for 20 plus years and I want, like, I'm going to get there next of just a little bit of your backstory. But like, I, I'm just curious because you do this so effortlessly, Nick. It's one of my favorite pieces. It's like, you could be talking about a story, you know, like from your message on leaving the 99, you could be in this passage. And then right away, it's like so effortlessly move into this challenge that no matter if you're fully convinced or you are profoundly cynical, you're like hanging on the edge of your seat going, what is this guy going to invite me to do? Or what is this guy going to make me see differently about Christ? What is coming? You know, you, you just have that ability, but I'm curious, is there a framework that you run that through? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I mean, part of it, uh, Steve, for me is like, I want in my sermons like, and if people listen to, to me preach, like I'm always, and, and I'll feel convicted sometimes. Like 
if I'm prepping a sermon and I'm delivering a sermon and I don't have fresh stories, mm. I need to take that up before the Lord. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it's like, I don't want to keep telling the same story. Now there are stories I'll tell a lot. Like for instance, my barber, like I've been trying to lead my barber to Christ for eight years. And so he comes up in my sermons a lot, mostly because I'm asking people to pray for him. And I'm also uh, actively like telling for me, it's, it's a great example of how the gospel isn't transactional, right? The gospel isn't like, this isn't about like a notch in your tool belt. This isn't about like, Hey, just go share it and then be done and never meet these people again. No, this is like most people need a person who's going to be committed to them for life. And whether it takes two conversations or 20 years, the question is, are we the type of people who are willing to live out this incarnational faith? And so for me, it's like when I'm preaching, I'm thinking of all these audiences, but, but how I'm fleshing it out is I'm, I'm thinking about what's the text saying? I'm thinking about the people Jesus is encountering with the text. How do I bring those characters to life? And then I'm thinking about stories in my life. And I want all of them to preach the same message again and again and again. You know, but I'm trying to surround a person in the audience with whether it's the, the way Jesus is teaching this, whether it's through the eyes of the person who's hearing this from Jesus, or whether it's through my life, whether it's through the person's life that I'm talking about. Like this morning I preached and I talked about this woman I met at the hotel this week and, and she was a, a banquet server, you know, and I could tell she didn't like Christians. You know, I could tell she thought we were weird. And, uh, and I was asking her questions and I, I said, you know, I have this basic strategy where I just ask people, how are you doing? And I listen and then I'll, I'll kind of say, um, hey, is there anything, you know, that you would ever need prayer for? And, uh, and she just right away was like, no, <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, yeah, I live in Minneapolis. Like, it's not cool to be a Christian in my city. Um, but anyway, she shot me down, but I was like, Hey, you know, that's fine. I just want you to know you're doing awesome. And we are so thankful for you. And we're going to give you a great tip because you're killing it, you know? And I'm just trying to be like a kind human being, you know, that's the other thing. When you share your faith, you should leave, leave better tips, <laughs> you know? So like, <laughs> It also is, it's a reason why you don't put the Jesus, you know, fish on your car if you're going to drive like a jerk. Yeah. But, but it's like the next day I'm, I'm back at this hotel and her name was Brittany. And I said, Brittany, how was your night? She said, it was good. And I said, well, hey, you know, I know I asked you yesterday about prayer. Did you come up with anything that you'd ever want prayer for? And she said, you know, I was thinking about that all night. And, uh, you know, and it just opened up this crazy conversation with this girl on a journey. You know, and she then shared with me, here's things that I would, I would actually love prayer for, you know? And then I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to make this even more weird. I want to pray right now. And I pray right now for you. And, uh, you know, and I just told her, cause I think God is real and he wants to show you and move in your life. And, uh, and so anyway, and she was like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, but I mean, again, it's just these people along the journey and, and the differences, like, am I seeing them and am I being available? But that's a great story for me to show people. Cause it's like, I'm not using any crazy, like this isn't me being a wild apolog apologist or like, I'm not saying some like crazy, scary thing. Like I'm just seeing people and I'm slowing down to ask them how they're doing. And, and I just would say my, my conviction is that we are living in a famine of people being heard. Mm. Everybody's shouting. And so people are just lonely. They're isolated people don't care. I mean, I don't have people ask me during my day, how am I? I would love that. It doesn't happen. But to me, it's like, are we as followers of Jesus flashing this out in the streets? 
And are we as preachers and pastors, are we fleshing this out in the streets or are we just performing from the pulpit? You know, because I just think our people need to see that this message works when you take it out of the package. Man, sure, it sounds really nice, but show me. And that's what I find young people more than anybody. They just want a faith that has power, that has teeth. And, uh, and that is the gospel. And so, man, I just, I love getting to see it work out in my life. That's so, that's so good, Nick. And you do this, you just do this. I mean, it's just one of my favorite parts about you. And, and what's so amazing about it is you are constantly modeling. It's not that hard. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's this, it's this beautiful invitation that is truly anybody can do it. Like you said, you don't, it's not like you're full on apologist. It's, it's you being present and available and to ask, how are you doing? Is there anything I could pray for you? Following up, Brittany, Hey, how's your day last night? How's your day today? Like, and just that level of intentionality, you, you, you have been traveling the world and I think I have my numbers off. Uh, but I, I think as of 2020, you had preached the gospel in front of 300 million people. Um, I think I, I read on some outreach magazine report or something. It's a w- Wikipedia. It's true because it's online. It's online, <laughs> um, which I was like, unbelievable. And But you hit this real, real heart of raising up a new generation of evangelists. And what, what, what was so incredible is I was with you a few weeks ago and you were telling me about an event that you are doing in a couple of weeks at the Cotton Bowl. And, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the event by itself that had me, that I was like, oh, I got to have you on the podcast and change my whole calendar around. It literally was watching the stories at which you effortlessly live this out, this integrated urgency to point people to Christ on the regular, that I think is a lost art in this distracted world, that I was like, I want these pastors to have fresher stories. I want these preachers to embody this, not just when it's on a stage or not just living off a highlight reel like Instagram is, but like highlight reel of like in 1994, I did this. In 2002, I led this person to faith. But like having these only God stories every week and every day. So, so, but, but I love that it's not just you trying to get more stories it is that, but really it's about you trying to empower another generation. Um, so can you talk a little bit about this event that you're doing together, 2022, uh, 22. talk about the genesis of it, um, the legacy of it and why and what you're trying to do. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks for asking. And, and you're, you're too kind. I mean, I'm <laughs> anybody who knows me, you know, well, I mean, just like any of us, right. We're, we're trying our best. And, and we are broken vessels, like just learning. But, but I would just say that the, the question I often ask with the church is I just say, where's the evangelist? Yeah. And, uh, and so, so I just, I, I like to say that God hasn't stopped calling evangelists, but the church has stopped talking about it as a calling. And so there's an entire generation that has grown up now. And I would say mostly those that are 40 and under, maybe even a little older, but who have no idea what an evangelist is because they've never seen one in action. Like 
it hasn't been elevated. It's not part of the church. It's, it's kind of this word that has lost meaning. And, and to me, the biblical meaning and calling of the evangelist, there are people in the church that are in, 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 in operation. Their purpose is to both share the gospel and to stir the rest of the church up to share the gospel. Like they're the one in your leadership team meeting that's going to point out that that trailer park near, near, nearby isn't a bad thing. You know, that this is a strategic opportunity. Like they're the one that's going to say, man, look at these empty seats. They're the one that's going to say, we got to train the people. We got to rally the flock. And, and my conviction is that most churches don't have that voice at their table. And if they have that voice at their table, they're not empowered to be that person. And so like what I'm trying to do and our prayer is to equip both a generation of evangelists, but then the entire church, as Paul says to Timothy, to do the work of the evangelists, or as Paul says to Philemon, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you may experience every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. And so this event we're doing, uh, it really is the largest evangelistic training and activation event that I've heard of in my 20 years of doing uh, this work, but it is, it is built on the back of something that happened 50 years ago that changed my life. So there was an event in 1972 and it was Billy Graham and Bill Bright. And, uh, and they said, we want to train the Jesus people. And so they had kids bus in from all 50 States across America. People came from around the world and 70,000 people filled the cotton bowl in Dallas for what I believe was the largest evangelistic training that's ever happened in our country. And I would argue it was maybe the most influential gathering uh, in, in our history as a nation and, and for, for like fueling a new generation to run hard after God. And there's so many stories I could tell you about what came out of that gathering in terms of churches planted and young people planning events. But the most personal one for me is kids from North Dakota, which is where I'm from, they took the charge because it wasn't about a concert. Most events we do now, it's a conference or a concert and people come and they check a box and, you know, we hope that something lasts, but there isn't really any measurable fruit on the back half. Um, you know, but the goal of this event was to send kids home and to plan outreaches and to share their faith. And, and those kids did it. And, and these kids from North Dakota, they went home and they went door to door and they planned outreaches and, and some of those kids actually planned an event where my dad ended up giving his life to Christ. And so it's so many ways. And not only my dad, but actually the pastor who discipled me, uh, he had his life wrecked at Expo 72. Um, some of my mentors had their lives marked at Expo 72. And then even now, my pastor today, who really like saved in some ways, like uh, I was going through a horrible time. I had a sister die of cancer. And this guy like, shepherded me. And even two weeks ago, he's commissioning me on Sunday morning at my church. And he's like, Nick, you don't know this, but my life was changed at Expo 72 as a kid from Iowa. And so, so there was just something that happened 50 years ago where a generation was marked, a generation was equipped, and then a generation was commissioned to go. And so that's what we're doing. You know, it's a few weeks out here, June 24th and 25th. Again, we have people coming from all 50 states. It's free. We're even, we're even raising money to help kids with gas money if, if they can't afford to even get there because we're really trying to get, you know, underserved communities and uh, different parts of the country that maybe normally can't do something like this. But, you know, it's everybody from the Cray to messages from Francis Chan to, 
you know, uh, amazing music, but the whole heart of it is to equip people to share their uh, testimony, to share their faith, and then to be sent from there, you know, really, um, man, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and bring light into this dark situation we're in right now as a culture. Man, it's so, so amazing to think 50 years ago at Expo 72, like you said, the countless stories, the churches that were planted, the the lives that were transformed because, you know, this generation of these Jesus people just got the training and the coaching. And then they went back to Orange County and Chicagoland and Minnesota and beyond, you know, all over in and you think about that, you know, the verse, like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you're like, you had 70,000 and what that did, what that could do, what, what, how God could just stir and use that. I'm curious because <clears throat> I think one of the, the pieces um, we'd often say when I was at Willow was if you take your foot off the evangelism pedal, it's the hardest in the local church to speed back up. Um, you, you, you can, you can, you can like do that with compassion and justice and do a couple events and, and people feel really, really good because like you get to serve and, and no one ever rejects you when you serve. I, you know, you can, you can do that when it comes to an event or an attractional opportunity or, or even just some opportunity of a small group. Most people are going to show up and have a fun time, but like when you're stirring the hearts of people and training them to go out and, they're going to hear the word no. Oftentimes, many people don't want to do that. And, and so when you take your foot off that gas, man, what that means for, your, for the now and what that means for the future, um, which is why what you're doing, in my opinion, is so important for the local church is, is again, you are bringing and shining a beautiful light on those amazing people that are gifted with that spiritual gift of evangelism who want to stir up the imagination and the hearts of the people and who want to, to see seats filled, who want to see uh, people cross that line of faith. I'm curious, like, how, is this a, a two day event? And then what, what, when you say raining, what does that look like? What are you hoping to see come out of that time in regards to equipping and training? Yeah, for sure. Well, people are coming in the week before, so June uh, 19th, 20th. Uh, there's going to be trainings happening on-site at the Cotton Bowl all week, every morning. Uh, there will be just a basic evangelism equipping. How do you share your faith? How do you share your testimony? Like just using, I mean, these aren't like, I'm just going to be honest. It's not, it's not revolutionary. We're not trying to cut some cool, new, trendy way. We're just trying to help people understand and feel confident sharing the gospel right? That, that you can explain to people. It's like this kid I met, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he had never heard about God. He had never heard about Jesus. And, uh, and you know, and he had two minutes. And so how, how do I explain that to him? Well, we want people to be able to do that and that not be some crazy, terrifying thing. You know, Peter says, right, always be prepared to give an answer and do this with gentleness and respect. And so, you know, we just want to equip. So the two goals of the event is number one, that everybody who comes be equipped to share their faith. And that means simple tools to share your faith. And that means confidence to share your testimony, which is one of the greatest weapons we have. It's just the basic story of how God changed us. 
So we want every person to come. Like if they attend the sessions, which the main uh, sessions are going to be Friday night, start about five, six o'clock, it'll go till 10 or 11. There will be a Saturday morning session, probably 9 a.m. So around noon or one. Then there's going to be afternoon breakouts, people to get training in specific areas, everything from design to using sports to using creative and media, whatever. Um, and then we're also sending people out, you know, into the, into the streets, into the community, just to, to love people, to do some service projects and share the gospel. And then that night will be the finale kind of commissioning and we're actually going to have, uh, we're hoping to have hundreds of people baptized and, uh, you know, we're just believing God for, a really a historic moment. But, but I would just say the heart of this, Steve, heart of this, I mean, again, if we can hit rewind for a second, we go back to 2020 when this pandemic hit. And, and to me, and wh- whether it was the global pandemic, whether it was the political, you know, division and chaos happening, whether it was the racial tensions, you know, again, George Floyd killed right in my city, made a board up offices twice. I, I just, w- when I was going through that, my, my, my realization was two things. Number one, people are hurting and more open than they've ever been before. Like people are hurting universally and more open than ever before. I've never in my life experienced people with more pain and more openness to somebody to come alongside them and love them and share hope. And whether it's bringing them to church or praying for them, I've never, never doing this 40 years. I've never seen people more open, but the second reality, which prompts why this event matters is that I've never seen the church more loud about stuff that doesn't matter and more quiet about the gospel and about the hope of Jesus and about loving people who are hurting, like instead of loving people and serving people and listening to people, we were arguing about masks or vaccination or politics or justice. And we were just beating each other up. And so to me, it's like, how do we rally the church back to this reality that we are supposed to be a people marked by the good news? Like I think of the early church in Acts where it says, I love this verse. It says, no one else dared join them, though everybody held them in high regard. And I just think, man, we should have a costliness to what we're doing to the point that people say, you know what? I'm not ready to live that sacrificially. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to follow Jesus. But man, those people are awesome people. Man, do they love people well. And uh, man, if I'm hurting, I know who to call. And so I just believe these kids are the answer to the issues we're up against. Like, I, I think this is a cause-driven generation. I think they're looking for the hope of the gospel. They're ready to go out and do some wild things in the name of Jesus. I just think they need some people who believe in them and, and call them to the standard of, of Christ. And you don't need to water it down. Like, I think there's a hunger there and that now is the time to go. Gosh, I love that. And and Nick, I hold you in high regard. I, I just love your heart for people. I love your heart for good news. Um, people can still sign up. Where, where can they go to sign up? Yeah, pulse.org. Uh, all the information is there. Again, it's free. Um, I had a guy last week message me and say he's just booking three buses now. Uh, and they're coming from North Dakota. So like that's a 20-hour drive. Um, I mean, certainly if you live anywhere in the South or the South Central part of the U.S., Midwest, um, this is a once in 50 year gathering. Again, the lineup is insane. Uh, I mean, if you hop on the website, pulse.org, uh, look at the together 22 tag there. Um, again, the, the artist lineup's insane. The preacher lineup's insane. The breakouts are insane. It's free. 
you know, we even have money available. If people can't afford to get there, we'll help you get there. And then the other thing, and this would be the prayer, you know, people listening to this and, and, and maybe, maybe you're not interested in something happening in Texas, but you want something to happen in your backyard. Well, our prayer from this event, you know, is that people would, would bring it home. And so we're, the thing we're going to do at the end of this gathering is we're actually going to commission students. And our prayer is that there will be 500 outreach efforts, student-led outreach efforts that will come from the Cotton Bowl that will hit all 50 states. And so we're giving away 500, uh, $500 grants. And basically what this is, is if you're a young person, you have a vision or your youth group, you have a vision for some outreach, whether it's a cookout, whether it's a social media campaign, whether it's an outreach in the park or something at a school, man, we just want to put some fuel on that fire because man, we need the light. And uh, man, it may be super dark out there, but that just means the light's that much brighter. So Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to see the church rise up and rally around the hope and the good news because the world can't compete with us. You know, it really can't. Like, if we try to fight with the world's weapons, we lose. But the world doesn't have a weapon that competes with the hope of the gospel and the glory of God. And so, man, I, I have all the hope in the world. Uh, revival is coming, and uh, the local church is the hope of the world. So, man, I just honor everybody listening. Um, my pastor said something to me a week ago that really humbled me. He said, Nick, I love preaching, but I'm not good at sharing the gospel. Will you help me? And, uh, and I, man, that moves my heart so much. And just encourage pastors out there. You don't have to be good at everything. Man, be a learner. And uh, man, we're stronger when we're in it together. I just asked Steve, <laughs> you know this, Steve. I just asked you to help me be a better preacher. And so like we all, we all need somebody. And, uh, but man, people need to see us going after this and learning together and impacting the world. So I love it. I love it. Nick, thank you so much. Um, we'll definitely, you know, push the pulse, uh, website and your, your social media handles, which you're an amazing, uh, to follow, to see how God is working. I want to end if, if, if you could just give me one, one more moment for a question. Character is, you know, the third word of our title, craft and character. And um, you're someone who has mastered the craft of sharing your faith. And um, just, it's again, I, I can see why your pastor would want to learn from you. You you just do it again so effortlessly and with such conviction. And I so appreciate it. But character, you know, and I think sometimes when it's come to uh, guys like you and me, when we're on the road and we're traveling or, you know, you can go through a whole list of names of evangelists who have done this really, really well, who lived with uh, a way of character that just, just pointed people with not just their words, but with their lives. And then others who didn't. Um, yeah. Nick, it just, I got to be with you and your wife a couple of weeks ago. And it was such a gift to be with her. And she's just salt of the earth, just like you. How are you guys living this evangelism life out where your character is leading the way? Yeah. I mean, I, that is such a an awesome question and a needed question. And there's many, many things I could answer in that, but I just would say that I need to constantly be surrounded by people who have an all access pass on my life. Yeah. You know, and that includes my wife. She can ask me anything. There's nothing hidden. 
you know, it's, Hey, I mean, here's my search history on my phone. Uh, and here's, here's an encounter I had with somebody and I can talk to you about it. Like it just needs to be marked by radical transparency. Um, I don't travel alone. Like I, I haven't traveled alone for 20 years and, uh, and I don't because I, I want to be above reproach. That doesn't protect me. People still say or think or whatever, you know, there's certain things you can't protect against, but I do think avoiding the appearance of evil. Um, I have mentors in my life that speak truth to me. I have counselors. I have, I think more than one counselor or therapist I speak to regularly. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's like not being impressed by yourself, not surrounding yourself by people who are impressed by you. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, to me, people and like, am I anchored in the Lord? Am, am I anchored in real community where I'm able to be vulnerable and broken? Because I don't think like people don't do the stupid things that happen. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. Right. It's not like you just, all, you're living in a perfect life and then all of a sudden you go on a rager, you know, or you, you just have an affair. Oh, it just happened. You know, no, that was like a slow drift over probably 10 years. And so it's just like, are there people keeping an eye on the dials for you and for me? And, and the reality is none of us are above it. Yep. And the second we think we are is the second it's over. That's right. And, uh, and so it's like, man, I'm just trying to work this out with fear and trembling. I'm trying to apologize quickly. I'm trying to be honest again and again that I'm far from perfect. That doesn't justify me being a jerk or, <laughs> or doing whatever, but it's just like, oh, like I'm, I'm growing. And, and I think the thing I would say, even for people who maybe don't like me, which any leader, there's people who are going to not like you. I just would say that the people that are near me and the people on our team, I think across the board would say, we see Nick growing. Mm. We see Nick working on it and we know he's real. Yeah. And to me, that really matters. That's so good, Nick. That is so good. And I, I think just to echo that, we see Nick growing. You know, I think when it comes to preaching, that's, that's what I long for, for people to say of pastors. I see his or her preaching growing, but I long even more that people would be able to say that about our character. Oh, I see his or her character growing. And it's just who they were in their 20s was amazing, but who they are in their 30s is a gift. And who they are in their 40s and their 50s, man, it's just, it's just filled with wisdom and goodness. And these are people who are going to finish the race well. And Nick, I, I have full confidence in you, man. I, I just love you and I'm for you. And we are going to be praying uh, for this. And if you're listening, um, maybe you have some young people. Um, this is going to be an amazing event. Maybe, maybe you just you have someone on your team that you're like, we got to stir this thing up. Get a flight, go to Dallas, go to the Cotton Bowl, be a part of this. This, this could have the impact. I'm praying it's even more so. Uh, that Expo 72 had with Bill Bright and Billy Graham, that this event would just spark something profound and holy and just beautiful in the lives of countless numbers. And so get yourself there, be a part of it. Nick, thank you for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. We love you, we're for you, and uh, uh, all the blessings, my friend. Hey, thanks, Steve. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. I am so grateful for people like Nick Hall. Go to thepulse.org. Pulse.org. You can learn 
all about Together 22, 50 years since Expo 72, all the good that they did. Man, I'm amazed by Nick and all that he and his team are doing. But also, hey, I need you to know, preaching today, they want to help you. And I love what this team is building. Um, I've, I've become like an editor and I work with this just incredible crew. And we really, really, really want to help make content that's going to serve you. And that could be just in taking care of your soul so that our character leads the way. That, that can be through sermon illustrations, just trying to help you. Thousands upon thousands of sermon illustrations to help take your teach to the next level. You can actually sign up for a membership and they want to help you. You can just go to orderptnow.com slash cc30 and crafting character just because you're a listener, you get 30% off. So do that. And then uh, we've got another last episode. People were emailing me, texting me about Nancy Beach and Samantha Beach, Kylie, but we're launching a new cohort for women and men that's going to be led by the one, the only Nancy Beach. So go to the ascentleader.org, sign up, and then please, please, please check out Food for the Hungry, fh.org. They are the best. I just love them, been dear friends. I'm going on a trip with them in July. I cannot wait, cannot wait, cannot wait to see all the good. Uh, my family and I, we, we sponsor a child. We love the team at FH. So if I can ever serve you, Never hesitate to reach out. Steve at steveryancarter.com. But with that, my friends, may we be people who never stop telling people about good news. May we make the good news our life's work. May we stir people up, stir our staff up. May we be the people who never stop talking about what good news has done in us and looking for opportunities for how good news can work through us. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com/ct.